morning, friends. Um, I, I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I'm a morning person. Uh, it's not so much, I think, by uh, choice as it is by necessity. I get up at an obnoxious hour very early every day and, and have my private devotions and then get my exercise in um, kind of between 5.30 and 6.30 in the morning. Several years ago, I was on my bike riding and I had left my home in Sandy Springs and uh, ridden around, had gone around Chastain Park and come up close by the church and had turned off Blackland onto Tuxedo Road. It was just before six o'clock in the morning. It was still dark and, and being smart, I was wearing my bike helmet, but it was so dark, I remember going under a street light and looking down at my bike computer and seeing that I was doing about 20 miles an hour as I started down the hill. As I started down the hill, I got out of the light of the street light and hit something in the road that knocked me over like a sack of potatoes. I remember hearing my helmet scrape across the pavement until the bike and I crashed into a curb and everything stopped. I remember thinking, okay, I'm alive, but that hurt. You can't really see it here, but when we put a picture up, you'll see that there is a crack in this helmet. This helmet is something that absolutely, positively, unquestionably saved my life. I replaced that helmet and a couple of years later, I was out on the Silver Comet riding one morning. I had finished a long ride. I was about two miles away from my car and, and made a sharp turn. It was a kind of a wet day. The bike came out from under me. I slid and hit a guardrail. And this is what I looked like when I got back to my car just a couple of miles later. That helmet has since been replaced and is, um, I'm on my third helmet in the last few years. You know, having the right equipment for the right task can save your life. I do not ride my bike without wearing my helmet. This is a, a simple way of introducing where we're headed today. We're wrapping up today this series of messages that we've been looking at in the book of Ephesians. You know, Rich has done a very good job of helping us recognize that Ephesians is really kind of a two-part series. It, it's the first half of the book deals with finding peace and the second half of the book deals with keeping peace. Today is the last message in a series of messages that we are look, have been looking at. And, and we're looking today at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, under the title, Dressing for the Real Battle. If you saw last week's sermon, or if you go back and look at it, you'll see that Rich did a, a great job of helping us recognize that Paul's teaching about relationships, husband and wife, parents and children, masters and slaves in that culture, uh, was absolutely, unquestionably revolutionary. He talks about the ways that we as followers of Jesus have to live our lives. And as he wraps up that relational bit, this is what he says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, as Paul talks to us about how to live our lives. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, 
you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me so that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel which, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen. May the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writing and preservation of these words inspire them for our understanding as well. Biblical scholars are convinced that when Paul wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, he was in Rome under guard in prison. So he's probably looking at these Roman soldiers who are guarding him every day, and he knows absolutely unquestionably what the armor is that these Roman soldiers are using. And, and as he looks at the Roman soldiers and their armament and as he writes to the Ephesians, he is probably remembering the riot that took place when Paul was in Ephesus planting that church. I had the privilege of being in Ephesus a few years ago and took a couple of pictures of the, the theater in Ephesus. And you see the scale of how big it is when you look at the, this picture and you see the people there. Scholars think that it could seat about 24,000 people. We got a good distance away and I took this second picture so that you can see exactly how big it is. Paul's preaching had undermined the, the worship of the goddess Artemis and resulted in an economic catastrophe. So the nation of, of Ephesus, the people of Ephesus were rebelling against Paul's preaching. And he wanted to go when they gathered in that theater and were writing about this, he wanted to go and speak. And the people in Ephesus said, no, you can't do that. They'll, they'll kill you. So he understood the importance of wearing armor. Earlier this, this past week, I was reading the newspaper. I'm one of the six people in Atlanta who still get a AJC thrown in their driveway. I was looking at the comics. One of the comics that I follow is called Pearls Before Swine. It's written by a guy named Stephen Pastis. And this is the strip that he had up earlier this past week. Rat says, what are you doing in there, pig? And in the other room, pig says, I'm getting ready to face the day. And he comes out and look at him. He's armored up. He's got gloves. He's got a, looks like a, uh, umpire's uh, protection. He's got a helmet on. He says, today, it takes a lot more now. You know, we understand the need for armor. We're, we're kind of like pig. We understand that we need it. Don't we wish it was easy? When Paul tells us to, to put it on, don't we wish it was easy to put on the full armor of God? Well, it is. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But before I do that, I want to stress the reality of the battle that Paul has described 
that not only the Ephesians were facing, but that you and I are facing every day. A number of years ago, in fact, when we lived in Mississippi, I uh, began the practice of saying to my wife as I left the house in the morning, well, I'm off to do battle against the forces of evil. I really meant it kind of tongue-in-cheek and jokingly like, here I am, your superhero. I'm out to go do battle against the forces of evil, dear. I'll protect you. One day I'd said that to Lib, and I was walking through the house to the back door to get in my car and, and go to the church, and I distinctly remember putting my hand on the doorknob and stopping and thinking, that's not a joke. That's real. I am off to do battle against the forces of evil. If Lib is at home now, when I leave the house in the morning, I say it to her. I said it to her this morning. I was, I was getting ready to come to the church. It's not just me. It's you as well. All of us have to face the reality that we need every day to put on the full armor of God. How do you do that? Well, as I said, I'm going to tell you how in just a little bit. But I thought it'd be fun to look at someone suiting up in armor from some recent movies. Let's take a look at this. Should have expected that. It's Chuck today, not Rich, so it's not Disney, it's Iron Man. And interesting, the progression in those movies, that was Iron Man 1 and then Iron Man 2, how he had a robot suit him up, and then the second movie, he's got basically his suit of armor in a suitcase that just pops open at the touch of a foot and puts his hands in, and boom, he's got the armor on. You and I don't have Iron Man's armor that we can just pop on simply today. We are called as the followers of Jesus to put on the full armor of God. And as Paul's probably writing this letter, he's looking at a Roman soldier and he goes bit by bit through the armor that that man has on. He's got the belt around him. He's wearing a breastplate. He's got shoes on. If you've ever seen the first Die Hard movie, you know exactly how important it is to have the right shoes on. He's carrying a shield. He's wearing a helmet and a sword. And Paul parallels each piece of this armor with something about the Christian life. The belt is the belt of truth. The breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness. The shoes are what enable us to be ready to carry the gospel to people. And the shield 
By the way, this is not a small shield. This is the legionnaire's shield. It was the big shield that only worked when it was alongside other shields to protect not just the individual, but everyone. So Paul is making a point to the community of faith that this isn't just you, this is everyone carrying all of the armor. The helmet is a helmet of salvation and the sword is a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The point friends is that you don't pick up one of these when you need it. We all need all of these every time we go out. Whether you're walking out of your house or your apartment or going to work or going to shop or going out for dinner, whatever you're doing, you need the full armor of God. Interestingly, as you look at that, you realize that the Roman armament, five of those were defensive. Only one of those was offensive. So it's much, much more about being prepared to be protected in the world than it is attacking someone or something else in the world. And as Paul was weaving that all along, he points out very carefully, three times he says to the Ephesians, you need to stand. Three times he says to the Ephesians, put this on. Then he adds to that, take this armor up. Then he adds to that, take it up. Now think about that. If your mother told you to do something three times, you'd get a pretty clear idea that she wanted you to do it. If she added three more reminders, you'd begin to pick up that she was trying to drive a point home. And if she added two more reminders after that, I hope you would understand that your mother was trying to tell you something you needed to hear. Paul is telling us very clearly that you and I need to be able to stand, to stand firm in the security of the armor of God, and that we've got to put that on to take it up and to take it to live well. Yeah, I learned a long time ago when I was playing chess that the best defense is a good offense. In fact, I remember my sister-in-law was dating a guy, this was probably, gosh, 25, 30 years ago, and, and we were at the lake, and, and they came up to spend the day with us, and, and he asked me if I played chess, and I said, well, I, I used to. So he pulls out this chess set, and we start playing. And I realized pretty quickly that he's played a lot more chess more recently than I have. He's a lot sharper at the game than I am, and I realized that I was going to go down fast. I was going to lose. And I thought the only thing left to do in a case like this is to draw as much blood as I can. So I started attacking all over the board. I didn't have any strategy except to pull out the sword and attack. He was so rattled thinking that I had a strategy that he lost. He was a better player than I, but he lost because my defense was offense. You know, I was thinking about that chess game that I played with him that day and thinking about Paul's description of the armor and the reality is so much more of it is defensive than it is offensive. Offense moves forward and attacks, whereas defense does what Paul says. It stands, it stands firm, it stands strong. And when you have a good defense in any battle, People who feel insecure are attracted to you. I think that's one of the reasons that Paul calls us 
to put on this defensive armor to be prepared. You know, elsewhere in the New Testament, in 1 Peter, the apostle says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's defense. And it, it falls perfectly in line with our core values as a community of faith that, that we live out gentle reverence. We're not about attacking people, beating them over the head. We're about standing, standing firm and, and secure in our knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ and letting that defensive strength attract people to us. The battle that you and I are engaged in, Paul uses four different terms to describe the battle. He says, we, we do battle against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers and spiritual forces. These are not four separate things. These are four ways that Paul is using to describe the battle that you and I are engaged in on a daily basis. The rulers and authorities, that doesn't mean that, that Paul is anti-government because the Paul who is writing to the church in Ephesus is the same Paul that was writing to the church in Rome when he said very clearly this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You see, Paul's not telling us to oppose government. He's telling us that we have a battle that is real. It's unseen, but it is out there and it is trying to find us. There are all kinds of battles that we face day in and day out. Some of you later this week, if you have dropped your guard and you're having the big family gathering around Thanksgiving and you've got that crazy uncle, and I'm at the point now where I realize I've become the crazy uncle sometimes, you got that crazy uncle at the Thanksgiving table, you're going to get locked in a battle with that crazy uncle. Those of you who have teenage children at home know that when they leave the house, they're engaged in a battle. I had one dad of teenage daughters describing very recently the, the reality of teenage daughters dealing with mean girls. And he said, I pray the full armor of God when they pull out of the driveway. I was talking with someone else recently who had been in one of those conversations where nothing they said was good enough, nothing they did was acceptable, and they had someone in front of them, in fact, multiple people, one after the other, just telling them everything that they had done that was wrong. And I looked at this friend and I said, when you got dressed today, did you put on your Teflon or your Velcro outfit? And she looked at me like, what? And I said, are the words sliding off of you when they hit you, or are you wearing Velcro and you're letting them stick to you? We're in battles all the time, friends, and, and we have to be prepared for the battle, which is why you and I need the full armor of God every day. At the beginning of this section, when Paul pivots from talking about those relational realities, husband and wife, parent, child, master, slave, he says, finally then, be strong. Now, I have to confess to you, I'm a little bit of a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal, you know, played football when I was growing up and, and, and more of an outdoorsy person. I'm inclined to read Be Strong and think, all right, just 
summon it up inside of you, pull it together, Chuck, you know, suck it up, be strong, man, be strong. But then I was reading what that language really means. And, and that verb that Paul uses is called a present imperative. It means it's today and it's a command. A better translation rather than uh, be strong is really be made strong. It's not something that I have to summon up inside myself, that I've got to find the armor and, and get it and put it on. It's something that is done for me and done to me. It's something that God does for you. And it's not something that he did once and, and said, okay, that's good enough. A present imperative is really a continuous reality. It's something that is going on in your life all the time. You need it. You need the armor. You don't put it on yourself. You let God put it on you. I was thinking the other day as I was working on this message that, um, you know, every day I have to put this on multiple times a day. You probably prefer me looking like this than like this. But the mask that you and I are wearing today is defensive armor. And we're called to put on defensive armor, the full armor of God, every day, all day. It actually gets easier the closer you walk to Christ. Look at in the next to the last movie in which Iron Man appeared, how much easier it got for him to put on his armor. There's really kind of a neat imagery in that video that I like where he just touches himself and the armor comes on. You know, the best armor that you and I can put on is the armor of Jesus Christ. And when he touches himself there, I think about touching myself at my heart, giving my heart to Christ. So as you and I dress for the real battle today, as we put, all, put on the full armor of God, let me suggest three simple steps that you take to do that. One is face the reality. Friends, this is, a, this is a tough world. This is a dark world in many, many senses. We are in battle against the forces of evil. It's not just me. It's all of us. There is an evil presence in this world seeking to trip you and me up to steal our souls from God. If you've given your heart to Christ, you're a lock for eternity. But still, you are engaged in the mat battle day in and day out. So the first thing you do is, is face the reality of the battle. The second thing you do is surrender. And by surrender, I don't mean give up, wave the white flag in the battle and say, I surrender, you can have me, I'm not going to live the Christian life any longer. No, I mean surrender to Christ. Touch your heart. Let that armor cover you, the full armor of God, every day, every moment, all parts of the armor, and pray. Pray as Paul instructs us to live as becomes a follower of Jesus, to be able to go out with the gospel message, 
to have that armor on which is defensive that enables and allows people to see the grace and the goodness and the mercy and the love and the security of Jesus and be attracted to us because of the defensive armor that we're wearing. Yeah, we, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and, and we hold it and, and we give thanks for it. But rather than beat people over the head, attack them with a sword, we use that more to parry the thrusts of the evil one, to quote scripture back to the evil one so that we are strong. Take up the full armor of God. The reality is you can't wear the armor of God if you don't know the quartermaster, the one who gives you the armor. If never you have given your life to God and surrendered to him, so that he can give you that full armor, so that he can establish the truth of the gospel in your heart and in your life. I encourage you to do that today. Just take a simple breath, say a simple prayer, ask Christ to come into your life and, and to change you and to prepare you and equip you for the battle that we are in every day. If you don't have the armor of God, you will lose the battle. But if you walk with Christ on a daily basis, you have the armor. He protects you and he equips you for living every day. May you do that today. May you touch your heart, give your life to Christ. Today and every day, put on the full armor of God. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for loving us enough to care for us and to send Jesus into this world to give our lives meaning and purpose and hope. Thank you for knowing the battle that we are in and, and for equipping us for the battle. Thank you for all of that armor that we need, for the belt and the breastplate, the shoes and the shield, the helmet and the sword, for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit to lead us to follow you. I pray for these friends watching and listening today. Pray that you will cover them with your armor and equip them to live this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>